thank you, Chris, and the worship band, just for that reminder of God's faithfulness and the confidence that we have in him. Um, as we move from a time of worship through song to worship in the word, I want to introduce our guest preacher this morning. Um, this is my friend and brother in Christ, Blaine Boyd. Um, Blaine is one of our international missions partners. Um, he, for the last several years, has been working as a church planner and pastor um, on the Arabian Peninsula. So if you can, please uh, join me in welcoming Blaine Boyd. last September, so almost a year ago, and it has been such an interesting year. Last week, James, when he was preaching, he used a phrase that rang true to me. He said that we have the delusion of control. And I want to tell you about the last year for me and my family that has revealed to me my delusion of control has revealed to me how uncertain this life is. I was here a year ago and I joined you, and at that time I shared with you that we were weeks away. We had, had been living and working in a city called Alain, the United Arab Emirates. We planted a church there. The Lord had blessed it. It, it had grown. We were getting ready to relocate to the city of Kuwait, where we were going to plant a new church. And so when we were here, we were just weeks away from launching back to the Middle East and to start the work of, of planting that church. And, and then we launched back, and we found out we couldn't actually get into Kuwait. And we spent the next three and a half months waiting and waiting in the UAE, waiting for our visas to come through, praying, waiting, realizing that we didn't have as much control as we thought. And, and so finally, we got the call that we got a visa to go into Kuwait. We could start the work, and so we moved there. On February 6th, the family moved there, we found a home, we started to, to meet people, start to reach out, and well, you guys know what happened around February and March of this year. Well, we happened to be out of the country, or at least my family did, and, and all of a sudden the COVID-19 calamity, the crisis trade just, just overtook the world, and, and they shut down Kuwait completely, they shut down the airport, and we were stuck on the outside, we had to come back to the U.S., we've been here for about five and a half months. And during that five and a half months, we've just been waiting and praying and, and wondering what the Lord is doing and the whole time coming to a very hard realization that we are not in control. We were expecting by this time, at this moment, as we enter the fall of 2020, to actually have been done the work of some evangelism and some gathering of some people and to, to see a church start to be formed and start to gather publicly. And right now, we can't even live there. That a calamity has completely turned our life upside down. As I'm sure with many of you, this, this whole COVID-19 calamity has completely turned your life upside down. And so now as we continue to wait upon the Lord and pray, one of the things we keep asking ourselves is how are we to respond in the face of the uncertainty that this calamity has brought about? And I think the bigger, the scarier question is, is we know that this isn't the last calamity that we're going to see. That certainly there are going to be things in the future that will happen like this. And so how do we respond? How do we act in light of the world as full of calamity that we're experiencing now and full of the uncertainty of calamity that is to come? Well, that is ultimately what our text, as we 
continue, or as you continue through the book of Ecclesiastes, that's what our text in Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6, is dealing with. Is how do we, as a people, think about moving forward in life? How do we respond to living in a world that was experiencing calamity and knowing that there calamity, there will be calamity in the future? So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open it up. Let's open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes 11. And just let's read these, these verses together. And let's look at them and, and see how the wisdom of Ecclesiastes is calling us to respond, living in an uncertain world. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1 through 6. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. The word of the Lord. Well, let me just tell you, let me give, let me give you the, what I think the, the main point of Ecclesiastes 1, 11, 1 through 6 is. If you're a note taker, this, you can take this. This is the main thrust of this passage, and then we're going to see where I get this and, and where, the word, where this is in the word here. The main point is this, is that we get to work. As people, we get to work, we get active, we move forward in life knowing that God is at work. We get to work because we know that God is at work. Ultimately, in this bit of wisdom in Ecclesiastes, it's a call to action. Uh, We see that the, the, the passage is bookend It means on the beginning and the end with calls to actions, imperatives, commands. Cast your bread upon the water. Give a portion. Sow the seed. Withhold not your hand. Verses 1, 2, and 6 has has four different calls to action. Telling us to get on with it. Get busy with our work. And we're going to look at those. We're going to look at those at the end of this morning because those calls to action, that call to get to work, is founded upon the truths we find in verses 3 through 5. So let's look at those truths, and upon those truths we'll see where this call to action comes from. Those truths, we're going to see three truths that are there in this text. We're going to see a truth about the world, we're going to see a truth about us, and we're going to see a truth about God. A truth about the world, a truth about us, and a truth about God. So first, a truth about the world. Here it is. Calamity will come. Calamity will come. Verse 3, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. The picture here is, of course, 
in, in large measure, this whole passage is a picture of agricultural work. It's looking from the, the eyes of a farmer. And, and what we're seeing is this farmer is, is viewing the weather. And we have some realities about the world in this picture of the weather. And, and what we see is, is calamity. Now, clouds in Scripture can be both blessing and calamity. It can be both good and bad, depending on the context of the passage. And, and for this passage, I think that context is disaster and calamity because of the end of verse 2. For it says that these calls to actions, for we, we know not what disaster may happen on earth. And then we, we learn about those disasters. And what we learn about these disasters or this calamity is really twofold in verse 3. We learn that calamity is both certain and uncertain. What? Both certain and uncertain. What I mean by certain is that calamity is unstoppable. So that the first phrase in verse 3, that the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. What our Ecclesiastes here, what Solomon is sharing with us is that there's nothing we can do to stop the cloud from pouring forth rain when it's full. That when the cloud in its appointed time becomes full, it will drop rain. There's nothing we can do to stop it. There's nothing we can do to speed it up. And there's nothing we can do to delay it. That when the cloud, when it's time, the appointed time for that cloud to, to bring forth rain, that will happen. That calamity is certain. But at the same time, it's uncertain in the sense that it's unpredictable. That we don't know. And we cannot know when that will happen. And this is the second part of, of verse 3, that, that if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in that place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Now, I don't think the, the picture here is that where it falls down, it's just it's stuck there because it's too heavy to move and there's nothing we can do about it. The point is we don't know if it's going to go to the south or to the north. That as the wind blows, we can't predict where that tree, on what field, it will actually fall. That calamity is, though it's certain to happen, it's unpredictable on when and where and who it will affect. There's nothing that we can do to predict the next calamity that's going to fall upon man. And I really probably don't need to belabor this point in 2020. Can we all agree that in a year we have plenty of illustrations of calamities falling upon us that we could not predict and we could not control. And of course, we think of the big one. We're all sitting in a, in a room wearing masks right now because of COVID-19. But think of the other things that happen. When's the last time before 2020 you worried about murder hornets? Let me ask this. When's the last time before 2020 you'd heard the word derecho? I don't know if you know, a couple of weeks ago, a derecho storm blew through and caused millions of dollars of damage in Iowa. Look at California right now, the wildfires that are, that are sweeping through that state. North Carolina had an earthquake. And when's the last time you felt an earthquake? I mean, we have, 2020 is the perfect illustration of we just, we know that calamity will happen, we don't know when. And I haven't even looked outside the U.S. yet. When you look at a, at a global perspective of the calamity that's going on in the world right now, you realize it is uncertain and it is unpredictable. That's the reality of the world we live in. Is that we live in a, in a fallen and broken world that even the world, the, the, the creation itself is groaning 
to come out from under the, its, its bondage. And that world is full of calamity, and we experience it. We know that it will come again, and we cannot do anything to stop it or predict it. That's the truth about the world. But there's a truth about us, too. There's a truth about us, and that's seen in verse 4. And that truth is uncertainty tempts us to idleness. That as we begin to understand the, the uncertain nature of the world in which we live in, we are tempted to idleness. Look at what Solomon says in verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. So the one who's trying to predict everything that's going to happen, what ultimately happens is they do nothing. They don't actually do the work of, of planting the grain, and they don't do the work of harvesting the grain, and they have nothing to show for it as they stare out into the weather, into the clouds, and into the wind, and try to predict what is going to happen on the face of the earth. Whether it's fear, because I'm afraid to, to, to make a positive step forward, wondering if that's going to be the wrong step, or wondering if that's going to lead me into calamity, or, or whether it's arrogance, thinking that we have things figured out, that I don't, I don't need to get to work, I don't need to do more. We don't know exactly the motive behind the idleness here, but, but we see idleness. We see that the temptation, the, the reality of calamity and the uncertainty surrounding it leads us to idleness. Procrastination. I mean, how many of us can say that we haven't suffered from procrastination? And one of the main causes of that, according to Ecclesiastes, is our uncertainty. Of course, the, the image here is of a farmer, which is is a strong image to me because I grew up in a farming community. My grandfather was a farmer, and, and many of my relatives were farmers, and so we spoke of the weather more than most people spoke of the weather. And then we'd get up in the morning, and, and then we'd get to work, and we'd watch the clouds all day, and we'd talk about whether it was going to rain. And, and there's certainly a reality, too. If, we, if you get up and you see clouds starting to build, then there's a temptation to say, do we want to go out in the field and work if it's just going to rain? But but as you know, that sometimes the clouds build in the morning, but they don't drop that rain until the evening, and that would have been a whole day loss of, of productive work, staring at the clouds, trying to predict what would happen. But, but in all of our lives, in all of our spheres of lives, there's a temptation to try to predict what's going to happen, to try to predict what, whatever those clouds are in that sphere, to figure out what the, the COVID-19 cloud is going to do. I mean, how many of us are in, in jobs where we wonder what's next? My, my brother is an American Airlines pilot, and since April, there's been this, the rumors going around, is, is American Airlines going to cut many of their pilots? Well, he loses his job, and so he he's, has this cloud of uncertainty ahead of him. Will I have a job in, in a couple of months? Think about the parents right now. As we juggle all these things with school, and wondering what's best for our kids and what's going to happen. Do we put them back in school? And, and then, then COVID gets into the school. We have to pull them back out of school. And, or should we do homeschool? Or should we do pods? And, but we don't know what's the best decision. There's a cloud of, of uncertainty that's, that's building. Students, I imagine it's hard. You're, especially if you're in high school and you're, 
you're getting up and you're excited about college, and, but, but this, everything's thrown up. Will colleges be open? What will admissions look like? How do I go visit colleges? I think it's even scarier if you're in college. If you're, if you're graduating university going, what is the world going to look like as I graduate and go try to find a job and, and, and start a life somewhere? Like, what is this? What's it going to look like? It's all clouds of uncertainty. And, and here's the scariest part about all of that uncertainty is what, is what Solomon tells us is as much as we can stare at those clouds, we can never know. That we can actually never know what is going on. Look at verse 5. So, so one is looking up in the clouds. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And then in verse 5 it says, As you do not know the way, the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. One of the themes of Ecclesiastes is our, our inability to grasp what goes on under the sun the phrase that is used, that, that the, the happenings, the, the, the events, the history of the world, we, we cannot grasp everything that's going on in it. So we, we can't look at the cloud and know the right thing to do with our job and, and know the right thing to do as parents and, and know with confidence and certainty the right thing to do as students. If you remember going through Ecclesiastes 8, and li- listen to this statement in verse 17 of our ability to understand what happens under the sun. I'd encourage you to flip over with me. At the, the end of verse 17, it says, However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find out. One of the truths of Ecclesiastes is that, that we live in a mysterious and confusing world to us. It's uncertain to us, and there's nothing that we can do in our life to understand it all, to know everything, to be able to predict everything well. And and that can be scary for us. That can be scary. That's where that delusion of control starts to to melt away. We can be afraid that, that we live in a world that's just full of a bunch of random and hapless events. And that we're caught up in those random and hapless events as they course through history. The good news is, the comforting news is, the game-changing news is, is that we have a truth about God in this text. And what we realize is that we're not part of some random, hapless events that are coursing through history. What we realize is we're part of what God is doing through history. Look again, it's easy to miss in verse 5 the hope that's here. So the scary part for us is that we cannot know. You do not know the way that a child is formed in the womb. We do not know what the clouds are doing and when they will drop rain and when the wind will blow. We don't know what calamity will come next. But here is the hope. It's the truth about God. It's the foundation for our hope as we move forward in a world like this. It's that God is at work in everything. God is at work in everything. So you do not know, end of verse 5, you do not know the work of God who makes everything. That makes everything language, that's talking about the times and the events of of history. It's the same phrase that we saw in Ecclesiastes 3, 
And if you would, just, just turn back in Ecclesiastes 3. Turn Ecclesiastes 3 with me because Ecclesiastes 11 is picking up on a theme that we first saw. Bent this page up. There we go. Um, that we first saw in Ecclesiastes 3. If you remember the famous section in Ecclesiastes 3, beginning in verse 1, a time to be born, a time to die. And it goes on to share the full spectrum of, of human history and human events. And, and then it shares, as we, as we go through that passage 1 through 15, what we see is that, that God is at work and in control of, of all of those things. And, and ultimately what we see is not only has God in control of it, that God has, has planned it. He set it in course. That, and the foundations of the world, that God set creation on a particular plan and course, a perfect plan and course, and that all things that happen under the sun are a part of what he's doing in it. Chapter 3, verse 14. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it or anything taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. God seeks what has been driven away. Chapter 3 is telling us what chapter 11 is reminding us is that there's no event under the sun, whether we think that's a good event or a bad event. Whether it's clouds that bring the rain of blessing or clouds that bring the rain of calamity, there's no event under the sun that is not with God in it and working through it. That God is in control of all things. All things. God is in control of COVID-19. God is in control of durations. God is in control of, of wildfire. He's, he's working in all things. We call this the doctrine of God's providence. The understanding that God has set in course a motion, that he's, he's begun a plan in creation, and that everything is at work bringing about the fulfillment of that plan. Now what's scary to us is that plan is a mystery. And what's scary to us is because we can't grasp, because we can't understand what God is doing, we get confused and we don't understand how can, how can something so bad, like a virus, and, and please don't hear this message that the COVID-19 virus isn't bad. Don't, don't hear me say and, and make light of the calamity and tragedy that we experience in our lives. But, and that's what's scary to us is how does this good God that we understand that, a loving God, a benevolent God. How, does, how can we say that he is in control of these things? How can we can say he's the one in control, working in and through calamity? Well, it's scary to us because it's a mystery. But not everything of God's providence is a mystery because he's revealed things about his providence in his word that we can hold on to. I call them the promises of God's providence. Listen to a couple of these promises that we know as we think about God working in all things, good and bad. Listen to these promises that should give us hope. First of all, we, we see in Ecclesiastes 3, 
if you remember this, that, that as we looked at the, the grand spectrum of all events in history that's happening, good and bad, God's control in that, we also see verse 11, and he has made everything beautiful in its time. Solomon is telling us that, that whether we see the event as good or bad, whether it's clouds of blessing or clouds of calamity, our understanding, because the word of God tells us, is that thing is beautiful in its time. That means it's fitting beautifully in God's plan as he moves us forward toward that ultimate fulfillment. Though we may not see the beauty, and I'm not saying we, we go out and go, I am so happy that COVID-19 is here. I am so happy that earthquakes happened. I am so happy that a warehouse blew up in Beirut and decimated that city. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we can have confidence because of who God is and his sovereign control over the world that in some way, when he says it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Romans 8, 28. So his sovereignty is beautiful. His sovereignty is good. For those who love God, all things work for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those of us who are trusting in Christ, what we realize is not only are all things beautiful, all things are ultimately directed toward our good. That God is using these events for our ultimate good, and ultimately that's a spiritual good. That he's using these things for goodness. That's a promise. So God's providence is beautiful, even in calamity. It's good, even in calamity. And ultimately, if we think about Revelation 21.5, we know the promise that, that God is in the work of making all things new. That history is moving toward a point of fulfillment when everything will be freed from the bondage of the sin that it is now under. That creation will be free, that we will be freed. There will be a new heaven and a new earth and everything will be made new. And that should give us hope. So God's promise, providence is, is of beauty. It's, it's good. It, it brings us hope. Now, some of us have a hard time holding those things together in the mystery. How can you say that these calamities, these tragedies and the disaster on one end that are truly painful, that, that there's true suffering, there's true cause to lament in them, how, how on one hand can that be true? And see, on the other hand, you sit there and go, they're beautiful, and they're good, and they give us hope. How can we say that, that a God that allows tragedy is also a God that is, is hopeful and, and beautiful in all that he is doing? Here's why I can be confident to say that. is because I can look upon the cross. Because I can look at that moment in history where we saw the greatest extent of tragedy, yet the greatest beauty that happened at one moment on the cross. That at the cross, I can see the, the deepest, the depths of the wickedness of man that would kill God, that would kill the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Son sent by him into this world, and yet at the same time see the height of God's love who would send forth his son as a sacrificial lamb that we may be reconciled to him. That both of those things were present and active and real at the cross. And God, and God was in control of all of it. 
Listen to what the, the church in Acts prays as it's being persecuted, as what it, it recognizes in God's sovereign, providential control of all things, as it reflects on the cross in Acts 4. It speaks of, in the city of Jerusalem, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. What they're confessing is that God had planned the cross from the foundation of the world as the key moment in history as he was moving toward fulfillment and making all things new. That God himself in his divine wisdom, in his perfect providence, planned that place of great tragedy and yet great beauty. And because of that, I can have confidence, even though I can't understand it, I can have confidence that other tragedies like COVID-19, that in them somehow, God is making it beautiful. That somehow that it is good. That somehow that as I hold to God's providence and we look through this, I am full of hope. Calamity no longer brings to despair those who trust in God's providence. For those who do not know Jesus, for those who are, who are far and not sharing in Christ, calamity is nothing more than a foretaste of the ultimate calamity that they will experience on Judgment Day. That the pain and suffering that is experienced in this world is not hopeful. It's not hopeful. It's, it's simply a, a foretaste of, of the pain on that day when they realize they've rejected God and He's rejecting them. But for those of us in Christ, as we look at the cross, we can look and and know that even in the midst of the greatest tragedies, God can work the greatest beauty, which allows us to trust even in the midst of pain and suffering in our lives. Because He is at work in everything, therefore, we can get to work. That we no longer have to fear the uncertainty that lies ahead. Because we know whether our, our ventures succeed or whether they fail. Ultimately, what we know is that God is using them. They are beautiful. They are good. And we can still hold to the hope of the new creation. And that's ultimately what Solomon is calling us to in this passage. As we look at that uncertain world, because we can trust the goodness and the beauty of a providential God, what we can do is, is simply get to work. That we can get active in our lives. That we can move forward. We can stop staring at the clouds. We can do the task that the day has set before us, trusting that ultimately one that is bigger and wiser than us is working in and through that day. So therefore, what do we do? As we hang on the trust of a providential God as we, we cast our bread on the water. We give a portion to seven or eight. We, we sow the seed and withhold not our hand in the evening, which means we, we sow more seed. In other words, it's a, it's a call to action. It's a call that as we trust 
and a providential God. It's a call away from our idleness, away from our fear, away from our arrogance, away from our procrastination, and we get busy doing. Obviously, the doing here is in the context of our our work, our labor. Of course, it touches so many parts of our life. The call to, to be active, to move forward. And we move forward. There's a few things we that shape the way we move forward from this passage. But that one is knowing, knowing that we, we can't predict, we, we have to move forward in faith. When all things are predictable, you don't need any faith to move forward. But that's the idea of, of verse 1, is we cast our bread upon the water. We don't know exactly. Here it says it will, it, we will find it after many days. I think that probably the better translation is we may find it after many days. It's, a, it's an un certain future versus a certain future. The idea is that, that we have to, to move forward. We've got to put the bread on the water. The, the image here is a, a farmer probably putting his wheat on a ship as it goes forth, and he's not going to be paid until it comes back, and so he doesn't know. And he waits, and he waits. In those days, there weren't telephones and emails, and, and you didn't have the track my package feature on, on UPS, and, and so he waited, hoping with uncertainty whether his money would come back. But he has to place it on the water because he doesn't know. Give a portion to seven or eight. Now this could be give a portion to, to seven or eight different ventures, as it probably is, because the context of the passage is, is business, but it could also be give out generosity to seven or eight different people. And in both of those, that the idea of our uncertainty is, is active. We're talking about giving here, that many times my own giving is restrained by not knowing what's coming in the next month that I want to hold on to what I have now because I'm not exactly sure what will happen in the future, and maybe I'll need that money now. If it's referring to, if it's referring to our work, it's, it's the idea that we used to use in Oklahoma of don't put all your eggs in one basket. Because if that basket were to break, then you'd lose all your eggs. But if you spread them among different baskets, not knowing what will happen to each basket, you have a better chance of having some eggs survive. There's a There's a humility in recognizing that I'm not in control. So we act in faith, but we also act in prudence. It's a humble thing to act in prudence, of going, I don't know if this will work. And that's the idea of of spreading our investment out, is is I can't have confidence. I'm not in control of this particular venture, so I want to try these others as well, just in case. It's the farmer. It's the farmer in in verse 6 who goes out and he sowed one field, and that seems enough to him, and so he worked hard, and so he's going to go rest and relax in the afternoon and the evening, but what Solomon is telling us is, but you don't actually know what's going to happen to that field. And it's arrogant to assume that that field's going to be prosperous, so, so go out in, in humbleness and in prudence and, and plant another field. Withhold not your hand from planting in the evening. So we go in faith, we, we go forward in prudence, we go in humility, we go in diligence. And we won't plant anything if we're, if we're looking at the clouds. We trust that God is sovereign and control providentially over the clouds, and so we can be control of what we can be control of, which is to go sow. We don't rest from our sowing because we don't know what will happen. In many ways, this is reflective of our our ministries as well, or our homes, or, or whatever area of life that it, it applies, that, that there's so many times that in, 
in ministry, I'm tempted to idleness, not knowing what's going to happen. I can be tempted to idleness as I, I sit and read the news articles from Kuwait and wonder when we'll actually be able to get in. I can start planning and plotting all the different things I might do, but, but I'm not in control of all of that. So all I can do is in faith and in diligence and humility, continue to try to move forward and continue to try to get my family into Kuwait and, and try different avenues. And some of them fail, but, but when one succeeds, I will know that ultimately that was the God, that God's timing and his plan. So friends at Life Church, as we trust in a sovereign and providential God, let us not be distracted by the cloud. Let us know with certainty. Let us know with certainty that clouds will come. We're largely under one now. We know clouds will come. But let us get to work knowing that God is at work. Let us get to work with the business of, of working and the business of ministry and the business of parenting. Let us get to work knowing that, that the one we serve is sovereignly in control of all of those clouds. Ultimately, whether they bring blessing or they bring calamity, the one in whom we hope is in control. And he's doing it in a beautiful way, ultimately, for our good. Let's pray. Father, even as we read this text and we look in the world around us, we know how hard this is. We know how hard it is to trust you in the midst of the storm, in the midst of calamity. As the clouds build, Lord, we, we do not like uncertainty. Father, we fear what will come. We struggle to see the beauty in it. We want to see beauty in it. We want to understand. We have a hard time giving up these things. So, Lord, I pray. I pray for myself. I pray for my friends here at Life Church, Lord, as we see these words, may we be reminded of your goodness and your beauty that you are working in all things. Lord, may we trust the goodness of you as we look upon the cross and may that give us the confidence to trust you in the darkest moments of our life, in the most difficult times of pain and suffering. And Lord, may you strengthen us by this faith to move forward in a way of prudence and humility as we do the work that you've set before us to do on this earth, trusting that ultimately what matters is not the success or the failure of that work, but Lord, that you are in the process of making all things new. And there will be a time that we have the joy of, of seeing all that you've done and it will lead us into amazement and awe and worship of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.